0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts, and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. It makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting, Fed Chair Jerome Powell signals a slowdown in rate hikes with a 50 basis point move expected at this month's meeting. His hawkish comments send, well, hawkish were they, we'll get into it. His comments anyway send US equities surging. Asian markets track Wall Street to move higher with tech once again leading the gains in Hong Kong, while a private sector survey out of China shows factory activity shrinking for a fourth straight month.
1: Uh, meanwhile, oh, you've got to feel sorry for this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried breaks his silence saying, yeah, he'd had a bad month, but denying he'd committed fraud
2: at his now bankrupt crypto exchange FTX. I didn't ever uh, try to commit fraud on anyone. I was shocked by what happened this month and, you know, reconstructing it, I... where are there things I wish I had done differently?
1: And disagreement over a gas price cap is putting the EU's energy crisis plan in jeopardy. The Dutch Minister for Climate and Energy Policy tells CNBC exclusively why an agreement has proved elusive.
3: For the Netherlands the main issue is how to make sure that our security of supply stays in place, so a price cap that would hurt our uh, energy security of supply, that's not something the, the Netherlands could support.
1: I thought long and hard about this show and how we constructed this morning and so we had a chat with the producers and we we're doing it my way. Uh, and, and the point is, I want to show you what the markets did before I tell you the story and before Jeff tells you the story today and before we chat about it. Because I think there's a lot that we discussed yesterday ahead of the power speech that came true. Uh, and I want to go through this methodically because I think the market was desperate for a rally and rallied regardless of what it heard. Whether it heard new news. Or the same old news so this is what we'll do we'll do the markets and then I want you to frame everything you think about in the next five minutes in view of the fact that the markets went gangbusters to the upside they had a fantastic session if you were long if you were short disastrous the S&P put on 3.1% because of the Powell speech the Dow put on 737 points because of the Powell speech so let's frame this everything that happened on these markets i mean we can talk about the jolts and you know i like the jolts. so we can talk about some of the other data but what i want you to do is think wow what did powell say that meant we had a re-rating to the upside on a lot of these equities with the nasdaq growth stocks rallying 4.4 percent okay so when we do the story we're doing this backwards because i think it frames the conversation for you Think about, wow, the market rallied because of XXX. And we're going to fill in the gaps because I have a lot of questions about why this market rallied on the back of what that gentleman said. Quick look at the treasuries, quick look at the dollar, then we'll get into the story, Okay, But frame everything you see in mind of what happened on the speech so the yield went down to 3.616 didn't move as much as the equity market dollar crosses quick look at that dollar index last month uh, was down five percent yesterday lost 0.8 of one percent versus the pound now we've got 121 the pounds losing the ground there versus euro 104 and that losing ground losing ground uh, on a lot of these pairs dollar yen still trading at 136. okay so just frame what you hear next in view of the fact that the markets really liked what they heard. OK, let's take it away. Jeff. Uh,
0: US Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says the central bank could be in a position to reduce the size of interest rate hikes as soon as next month, even as he sees progress in the fight against inflation as largely inadequate at this stage. But he cautioned monetary policy is likely to stay restrictive for some time until real signs of progress emerge on inflation. Speaking at the Brookings uh, Institute, uh, Powell echoed recent statements from other central bank officials and comments at the uh, end of the November Fed meeting. Monetary policy affects the economy and inflation with uncertain lags, and the full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Thus, it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting.
1: Do you know that wonderful scene with Rennie Zellweger and Uh. um, Tom Cruise in the great movie, Jerry Maguire? I thought Which it
0: was going to be Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I know, that's who we think we're The gunfight at the end. end. We're, yeah, oh, okay, you okay. Paul
1: Newman, you happy with that? Uh, uh, I'll, I'd be very happy with Rob reverend I've but, got the blue eyes. I know, you look great. Thank you. I always thought you were more of a Richard Todd. You know Any, but the, anyway. the point, <laughs> point being, is that great scene yeah. where he comes in with a great speech <clears> and he's <throat> trying to woo Rennie's Zellwig and said, you had mm. me at hello. Jeff, you had me at echoed. Right. Because you said all of that, and yep. I've said all of that, mm. Echo. Mm. It was an echo of everything we've heard already. Mm. My point being is the market rallied aggressively on, and I challenge you not to tell me otherwise, Mm. nothing, nothing new because it was an echo of what we already heard
0: uh okay i'll 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 walk with you down the path uh some way i mean i think there were some nuances a lot of it was a repetition of the november language which i think we made clear in the read there so in terms of telling us a whole lot that we didn't know already then i agree with you i don't think there was a whole lot in terms of the direction of the next interest rate move that the market could have said well that's Blooming hell! That's a real surprise. You
1: mean not doing seventy-five. Knock me down oh, with a feather. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think we already knew that. I think that there is still a question mark in my mind, though, about actually what that does mean in terms of the pace and size of delivery going forward. Because Powell also, I think, did a good job of leaving a certain amount of doubt in the market's mind about where the terminal rate will be where ultimately we get to I think he made it clear that where we get to is going to be higher than the previous market expectation but he didn't really spell out Exactly how and when we get to that higher number. So you know, a good job perhaps for for everybody who's looked at the Fed in recent years and said that the Fed actually has has removed the 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 element of moral hazard from market activity. Then I think Powell was working hard to try and to try to reintroduce that. I think that the bit that um, that was nuanced was the way that he tried to get into the. The idea of how the Fed is actually thinking about inflation and what the connection between services and labor yeah. data is. And I think by directly. Correlating um, trends in the job market and salary and wages in the job market to uh, services uh, sector inflation, I thought that was that was interesting, and I think it just gave us a little insight is, as to where we need to be looking, because everybody I think has been focused on things like the manufacturing data and the JOLT surveys and so on and so forth. They've been saying, well, if we get a spike in unemployment, will that change the Fed's course? If we get slowing in manufacturing activity will that change the feds course and I think what we've learnt is no it won't because actually what Powell is saying here is he is very focused on wages and the connection between wages and services so I think that's helped us to a certain extent also the fact that he was talking about you know the way we are thinking about this explained
1: economics to us
0: the way we're thinking about this is we're going to bring demand down to meet supply what by, by again what, interesting. By raising rates oh my by god is that raising, how it works crushing, god, he's crushing really educated. the economy the market rallied 737 <coughs> well, points and that's and that's the issue isn't it because i think your original your original conclusion that this wasn't about powell in a sense that there was a desire to to reset valuations maybe the maybe the um... confirmation (coughs) bias maybe maybe we were just oversold maybe ultimately the market has been too bearish on the outlook on the US economy because what we've seen in the spending data is actually people are one still willing to spend in spite of the fact they may have run down their coronavirus lockdown savings and they're prepared to put it on credit. So they're not willing at this stage to believe that there is a recession coming next year.
1: So, uh, absolutely. But so what you've just said to me is because he's explained economics and the relationship between wages and employed, and indeed explained a little bit more about how interest rates work, about reducing demand, all of a sudden that's a revelation to Wall Street? I mean, look, look what he said. Look what he said rather than what you wanted to hear, ladies and gentlemen. He said there has been no clear progress on slowing inflation. That ain't bear, I'm um, sorry, dovish? That ain't, oh my God, let me buy every stock in the Dow and the NASDAQ. He said, holding policy at a restrictive level. That ain't dovish, ladies and gentlemen, but no, you go ahead and you put on 4.5% on the NASDAQ as well. He said, history cautions against prematurely loosening policy. That, of course, is the nod, as we all know, all of our students, and we're all still learning off Powell here to what happened and the mistakes made in the 1970s as well. He said, yeah, uh, the time for moderating the pace of interest rates may come as soon as the December meeting. Tell me one of you out there that didn't think that already. So you got a confirmation of what you already knew. You had a lesson in economics and you had a market that was desperate to rally. And by the way, next time you lot tell me that everyone's got a bit of downside protection on uh, and that they, they think, oh, they're just cautious on this market, have a look at the VIX. It's barely touching 20 at the moment. and That basically means no one is buying protection despite the fact the market rallied aggressively. There,
0: there was another piece of um, activity that I think is worth also mentioning, which was a net positive, I think, largely for the US economy. and. Um, it didn't get caught up in the pound narrative because it was a different story and it wasn't about the jolts data Beige. it was it no it was actually the fact that they're not going to have a widespread railway strike in the united states right. yes. and i think that is important because if you're talking about um, what generates inflation and supply chain constraints that i suspect that there was a lot of concern that actually that might fuel um, uh, re- the higher resistant inflation going forward. But um, in reality, uh, the House passed a bill to avert the yeah. broad railway strike as well. So I think that just you, helped yeah? push on an open door as far as the upside to the market is yeah, concerned. Yeah.
1: Good, good news that we had the economics lesson, though, because yeah. your implication no, no, no. was that uh, that's what look, helped everyone out. Look, yeah?
0: look, look. I, it's, it, the question is where you focus, right? So, uh, I mean, at different times, different Fed speakers have had a different approach to the part of the economy that they're very focused on. And I think we always knew that this Federal Reserve chairman was looking closely at the labour market. I think it helps, to a certain extent, for the market to understand actually which part of the labour market activity has Powell's interest. What,
1: because they haven't been clear on that before?
0: Well, you know... We've said what we've said. Um, let's let's talk about uh, Xi Jinping for a moment. How are you, are you we'll, all right? we'll, we'll circle back. you we'll watch the towels,
1: beast? Yes, you? I did. And, and you saw the minute-by-minute minute move. I was actually a parents' even, so I was here. But you actually, <sighs> yeah. which was a disaster. But um, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, in
0: terms, <laughs> but in terms
1: of the Powell speech, minute by minute, every time yeah. he says something dovish,
0: market blip, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I think it was a it was a it was a very carefully balanced speech, and I think uh, you know back back a few years ago, we we looked at Powell and we used to ask the question: Is he a sure pair of hands? Because he, he's not an economist he, by trade. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he came out of the private equity industry. In yeah. the same way, we look at Madame Lagarde and we say, you know, Politician. is she a safe pair of hands? Because she's got a political head, perhaps, and not necessarily. Uh, an economics wonk head but when it came to to this speech I, th- I think it was very carefully calibrated yeah, to deliver perhaps not the market upside that we've seen but some market upside. Okay. It wasn't designed to it wasn't designed to move the market no, I would and say. and that's
1: exactly my last question you, you, we've worked too long for you not to anticipate right. my point is right. do you think that he wanted a four and a half percent rally on the on the Nasdaq. Do you think he wanted seven hundred and thirty-seven points, uh, a Boeing as we call it, uh, on on the Dow? I just made that up. Yeah. But, but, but 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 no, he wouldn't have wanted the markets yeah. to run away, going, oh, this is really great. We can buy whatever we like, and it's fine because the Fed's got our back. Yeah. I don't think that's the message the Fed wanted. In fact, if anything, I think the Fed would have been happy with the market moving nowhere or Bats being slightly cautious on the back of
0: this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that you know, uh, uh, supposedly we always have to go to the Treasury market. For the gospel in terms of how how Barely the markets moved. feel a- and that is the point i think that in terms of how the market uh, in treasuries and in u.s paper interpreted powell's comments there wasn't a great no. deal of fear evident in the treasury curve and i think that also tells you there are a lot of people out there that want to believe that it's that the economic outlook is not going to be horrible yeah. well, Jinping, so he said she said Sh- That's what he you. said. What does she say? Uh, the old is eh? um, a <laughs> she. So uh, Xi Jinping. President Xi. Xi Jinping. Uh, China will remain open to European companies and hopes the EU can provide a fair and transparent business environment for Chinese companies. Um, uh, the EU should strengthen macroeconomic policy coordination and complementary advantages, uh, jointly creating new growth engines. Uh, the EU should jointly ensure safety, stability, reliability of industrial supply chains. Uh, Charles Michel is um, speaking with Xi Jinping. She uh, telling uh, Michel, uh, China will continue to strengthen strat- strategic communication coordination with the EU. Um, The uh, we hope EU institutions and member states will establish an objective and correct perception of China. uh, That, according to the state media here, I could go on, but I fear I might send you to sleep because I think you know. Perhaps in the way that you may have already known what Jay Powell was going to say, I think you already know what Xi Jinping is probably going to say in terms of the ongoing relationship with Europe. Well, China's top COVID-19 official has softened his stance on the severity of the pandemic, describing the virus as, quote, less pathogenic. Vice Premier uh, Sun Chan said the country is facing a new stage. In its fight against the virus, adding, more people are now vaccinated. His comments come after scenes of unrest around the country amid deep frustration with Beijing's zero COVID strategy. Chinese factory activity improved in November, according to a private sector survey, but remained in contraction for the fourth consecutive month in that series. Uh, let's get out to Sam for more on this story and this latest weak data point. Sam.
3: Good morning to you, Jeff and Steve. Yeah, certainly interesting. It does seem like investors are looking past the protests now and, of course, uh, some of this dismal data and really hanging on to uh, these positive kind of... Uh, messages that we are getting from the authorities about this sort of shift in tone, because as you said, we had the vice premier speaking yesterday, and I was looking through some of the comments that she actually made, and it did seem that she didn't have anything to say about zero COVID strategy and this dynamic clearance, which certainly has suggested to the markets that perhaps they are shifting away from this strategy, and it does come as we have heard more of this emphasis, certainly when it comes to more targeted, more precise, less arbitrary, uh, less harmful kind of uh, COVID curbs moving forward because uh, what we have now seen is areas like Guangzhou and Chongqing uh, saying that they would be relaxing some of these COVID curbs and that is important because of course these two areas just a couple of weeks ago were making up for around half of those record number of infections each day and these are huge populations. Chongqing around 30 million people, Guangzhou around 18 million people. They are are huge manufacturing hubs in China. And of course, uh, Goldman Sachs has said that they make up for around 2.5% of GDP each. So that would certainly uh, be a very good positive sign. And that is certainly what the markets seem to be latching onto at the moment. And speaking of manufacturing, as you said, uh, we did get this data out today, by the way, of the taishin Manufacturing PMI. Perhaps in that sense, it could be a bit backwards looking, given that, of course, we do have sort of these gradual steps uh, trying to make life a little bit easier on the ground for these manufacturers and, of course, the people over in China. But what we saw with that data was another contraction. We got a reading of 49.4. That was actually better than what we saw in October. It was better than what the market was looking for, but it was still below below the line that separates expansion from contraction. Now, what's interesting about this data, we've got to keep in mind, is it does look at the smaller and private firms over in China, which we know have been harder hit, mostly in the coastal towns, which, of course, we know have been suffering as a result of these zero COVID lockdowns. Uh, But they also capture a greater share share of those exporters, companies that uh, are in the business of things like electronics uh, etc. But what we have learnt from this data which was consistent with the official numbers at the state owned and bigger firms is that we are continuing to see the labour market under pressure and also when it comes to those delivery times it does suggest to us that there are continued pressures certainly on those logistical bottlenecks and also those supply chains. So that is something very much to watch that we are dealing with as Beige Book told us this morning, China Beige Book, two stories here, the Rio opening but also at the same time the soft economic data that we continue to get and rising cases in china back to you
0: sam terrific thank you so much for the coverage this morning well we've got a treat for you coming up on the program
2: what are your lawyers telling you right now are Uh, are they suggesting this is a good idea for you to be speaking uh, no they are very much not um (laughs) uh, and i i mean you know the classic advice raise don't say anything
0: Well, Sam Bankman-Fried breaks his silence, claiming he did not commit fraud. We'll have more on that interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin when we come back.
1: Right, welcome back. I'll do this quickly because Jeff went too long in the first part of the show and the producers lost control and it was nothing to do with me. No, I I tease you all know that. Right, okay, so the Dow for the month today. has uh, put on 5.7% in November. We're now in December, so happy December. We all know what that means, don't we, lads? We've got a lot of shopping to do, and the the wives are all over it. We know that already, but it's just the gentlemen are always a little bit behind, aren't we? But let's crack on, boys. Uh, 5.7% up for the month, and a large amount of that, of course, as I was describing, was yesterday. The S&P 500 also. Uh, Had a solid rally, 5.4% higher there, uh, 40.80. Now, there's a lot of estimates going around that says we're going to have a big dip before uh, we consolidate later on in 2023. What's happening about the recession? What's happening about the earnings recession? Uh, And where do we go on valuations? Well, two schools of thought. One, we pretty much stay where we are for a while. Two, we go down and then we rally. Um, obviously, other thoughts are available, but um, that seems to be the two main ones we're hearing here on Scorebox. The NASDAQ, and NASDAQ's had some great volatility this year so far, putting on 4.4%. Yes, sir, I described that as well, which is exactly the game for the month now. Isn't that interesting? So everything it rallied yesterday was, uh, in essence, the November rally. Dollar index had uh, a bit of a bruising time, as you know, because of people reassessed um, their interpretation uh, of what is going on with the aforementioned U.S. rates. Uh, dollar index, as you are all aware, I know that, uh, fell 5.1% in the month of November. Now, cryptos, Jeff, they're in danger, and I think this is a real danger for the industry, yeah. of getting really dull and like not having those explosive moves to the upside. I mean, a lot of the, mm. the former investors They're just like, well, what's the point? And mm. I think that's the danger for the industry, that actually it's getting mm. a bit dull in terms of performance, but nothing mm. dull about um, the shenanigans behind the scenes.
0: No, I mean, uh, we're going to hear about um, uh, the, the interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin Um, in just a second. Let's just have a look at where we are on the charts, actually, because I think it's interesting just to see what the market interest is like at the moment. So we are 17,000 plus on Bitcoin at this stage. We actually had quite a good chat with Arjun, I think, a day or so ago about um, what is happening in that world and he still thinks there are a lot of people trapped in Bitcoin who are just hoping, hoping that they uh, get made good in the end but they are not selling at this price so there are a lot of stale bulls who are stuck in in a lot of these cryptocurrencies like who are hanging on, twitter. on. <laughs> have you
1: seen the parts of twitter where they say yeah. retweet and serious people i'm not talking about some of the fringe i'm talking about serious people with big followers millions plus mm. saying retweet if you're never going to sell crypto mm. and then there's stacks of them and like well-known hedge funds managers we've had on the show who are retweeting this thing saying we're never going to sell mm. it's like it's like nothing i've ever seen in the financial markets as well Whatever you love in terms of a product or you hate in terms of a product as well, you have a buy level and you have a sell level. These people are saying we are never going to sell. So they've turned it into something completely different from an asset class that we talked about over the last 20 odd years.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense in financial market terms. Former FTX CEO Sam bankman fried has denied committing fraud at his crypto exchange telling CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin at the Dealbook Summit he'd had a quote bad month. FTX filed for bankruptcy in mid-November amid accusations of irregularities in the company's balance sheet. Um, bankman Freed acknowledged that he completely failed on risk but denied intentionally mixing funds between FTX and Alameda Research, a crypto hedge fund that he also founded.
2: I ain't knowingly commingle funds. And again, one piece of this you have the margin trading, you have, you know, customers borrowing from each other. Alameda is one of those. I was frankly surprised by how big Alameda's position was, which points to another failure of oversight on my part um, and a uh, failure to appoint someone to be chiefly in charge of that. Uh, but uh, I wasn't trying to commingle funds. Bankman-Fried also outlined when he started to realise there was a significant problem. I start to become nervous that FTX is not going to be able to fill customer withdrawals. And, you know, by, by late November 6th, I am very nervous about that, and I'm starting to think about like uh, emergency scenarios, and I'm starting to think about like things might uh, things might end quite badly here. and 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 the core metric that I'm thinking of there is: will we be able to make sure all customers are whole? And you know, uh, on November fifth, I was feeling quite good about that. On uh, November 7th, I was feeling quite uneasy about that.
1: Um, the only one thing I can say is, well done CNBC's Andrew Ross Hawking, well done yeah. the New York Times for yes. you know, putting on that event and getting him. Yes. But from Sam Bankman-Fried's point of view, what on earth is he doing? If if there are serious fraud allegations coming down the pipe, mm. and there are mm. serious Multi-billion dollar fraud accusations coming down the pipe and at the moment he has been proved guilty of nothing these are allegations and I'll say that that will reassure our lawyers where I'm about to go next. Hmm. But what on earth are you doing tweeting away like he has been recently and Hmm. now talking at length about proceedings. How on earth have his lawyers let him go on and speak given the fact that there are enormous allegations against this gentleman Mm. and against his company. uh, And these are coming down the pipe. We all know that. Uh, and he's speaking freely about the situation as well. And everything you say may be taken down and used in evidence against you, as the old saying goes. I find yeah. it extraordinary that this gentleman with vast amount of fraud allegations against him yeah. is, is singing like a canary.
0: Well, the, I mean, the only reason you would do it cynically is if you felt that anything you said could help mitigate the impression that you had deliberately committed fraud. Fraud is and fraud. And he, he clearly, um, I think as he made that point, was advised by his lawyers not to say anything. But the lawyers can't stop you if you want to go ahead and do that. So I agree with you. I mean, it seems like a very odd choice to make at this stage, given the accusations that are being levelled against you. Just on the broader industry at the moment, I think it's, it's interesting to continue to watch the fallout across this industry to see where the other potential problems are emerging. And I don't know whether you saw the news overnight 30% of the headcount at Kraken is being let go before Christmas so this is another business that is um, suffering from um, the spillover effects of of what happened with FTX and we are it, it feels like we are seeing dominoes tumbling a little bit here at the moment because obviously they've had to make that decision based on a contraction of business that they're we almost, doing we on Kraken.
1: Do, we almost don't do the stories anymore. BlockFi filed for bankruptcy after the FTX yeah. collapse. <laughs> multi-billion pound company after multi-billion pound company in the crypto space <clears throat> is falling like dominoes at the moment. And let's be honest about it. We're all trying to see now what is the credibility of Binance <clears throat> and whether that actually is the line in the sand, whether Binance is the exception and is actually very credible <clears throat> and will lead the recovery efforts of the industry or is there more shoes to drop and and you've only got to go on the, the aforementioned twitter to find aggressive and stunningly divergent views whether you've got no rubini and his ilk on one side mm. or whether you've got the michael sailors on the other i have never in my life and, and, and any topic seen such vitriol being poured onto the other side from mm. both sides it is an extraordinary battle and it's gone way beyond an asset class as far as i can see